0: Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, Last week, a brand new series called Start. It's actually based on a curriculum uh, by Andy Stanley called Starting Point, but we're kind of taking it and uh, and, and looking at the, the foundations of our faith um, and last week, you know, we kind of kicked off this whole series talking about what is a good starting point, what is a good start for our faith. And, and a lot of people, especially if you grew up in, in church or you had a family that was religious, um, especially if they, if they believed in the Christian faith, they taught you, well, you just do it because the Bible says to do it. And, and that was kind of like maybe enough for us as a kid. We're like, oh, well, the Bible says to do it, so I'm just going to do whatever it says. But as we get older, we find that sometimes the Bible says isn't enough. In fact, I've talked with people before that don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe it's an accurate text. They don't believe it. So if they don't believe this is true, and I want to tell them about Jesus, how do I even go about doing that? Because it's like they don't have the same reference point. But we all have had a start somewhere in our faith. Just like we all started somewhere. We all started somewhere. We talked about that too. Some of us were started on purpose and some of us were started on accident. And we all have a starting point. Our relationships have a place where they start and our faith has a place where it starts. And and no matter what, what faith you've come from, that had a starting point that was probably shaped in your childhood years. And as you grew... You know you kind of learned a little bit about it, and some of you, know, maybe you didn't have that. maybe your your family didn't give you a, a starting point for faith, so you just kind of like cobbled things together as you went along. You just hear a little bit of this and hear a little bit of that. and' you're like, well, that sounds interesting, and that sounds interesting. And, and it's kind of like a like a buffet religion, right? It's like, I'm just going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and make it all together, and that's what I believe about God. Well, he said so that that's not always the best place to start. In fact, a better place to start is by asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the place that we need to start. If, if, if you missed last week's, I would encourage you to check it out on, uh, on thrive.church. You can uh, view any of our sermons um, archived there. But we're going to continue this, and, and this is, these next eight weeks are going to be incremental, so each week is going to build on the next and this week we're gonna be talking about about a word nobody likes to talk about. Okay, nobody likes to talk about this word. Nobody likes to uh, likes to say this word because it starts to make us feel bad and the word is sin. Sin, the word is sin. You know, ever notice like sin is hardly ever used outside of the context of church or religion. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, we only talk about it when we come to church because it's kind of a heavy word. You know, if you do something wrong at work, your boss doesn't pull you in and say, you've sinned against me and the company. Like, no, they're like, we, we no, don't, we don't talk like that. We don't use that word. Because even if you did sin, it's kind of like, a, kind of like one of those words, we just don't like to talk about it because it kind of makes me feel dirty, it kind of makes me feel insecure about myself. I don't want to talk about sin. And sometimes people don't want to come to church because they don't want to hear about sin. And some people don't even preach about sin because, well, they don't want to talk about it because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And so it's this heavy word. So as a result, us as the um, the, uh, people that we are, we tend to replace that word with another word. We replace that word with another word. And that word that we tend to replace sin with is the word mistake. You ever, ever hear something? Oh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, folks. You know, I I did this horrible, horrible thing. I just beat up my mother and robbed a bank and, you know, stole a police car. And and it was just a mistake. It was a mistake. Have you ever heard public leaders get up and say stuff like that? Like, folks, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And, And sometimes we listen to that and we're like, it's just not quite a heavy enough word, that word mistake. In fact... So I was trying to think, like, who has actually come out and said this before? I've made a mistake. This was like a year or so ago, Brian Williams. You guys know Brian Williams? He said he made a mistake. Let's check this out.
1: On this broadcast last week, in an effort to honor and thank a veteran who protected me and so many others after a ground fire incident in the desert during the Iraq War invasion, I made a mistake in recalling the events of twelve years ago. It did not take long to hear from some brave men and women in the air crews who were also in that desert. I want to apologize. I said I was traveling in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire. I was instead in a following aircraft. We all landed after the ground fire incident and spent two harrowing nights in a sandstorm in the Iraq desert. This was a bungled attempt by me to thank one special veteran and by extension, our brave military men and women, veterans everywhere, those who have served while I did not. I hope they know they have my greatest respect and also now my apology.
0: So, in case you didn't catch that, the mistake was he said he was in a helicopter that got shot by an RPG and it blew up. But instead, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Actually, he was in another helicopter. I mean, that's an easy mistake to make, right? I mean, it's like, I just can't remember. was I in the helicopter that got blown up, or was I not? Like, you know what, guys, I'm sorry. it was a mistake. Now now I got nothing against, I got nothing against Brian. I just think it's kind of funny that, that it's like come and say, "Oh, I just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. See what what, what we do here, I mean this is something. That's, that's way bigger than a mistake. When we talk about sin, this is way bigger than, than, than just a mistake. See, you make a mistake on a math test, right? You, you, you make a mistake when you take, you take a left-hand turn, and you should have taken a right-hand turn. Now, sometimes our mistakes are really big, and sometimes our mistakes... They're small, but mistakes are usually something that we make for lack of information, or maybe we didn't understand something, or we make a legitimate mistake saying I was in a helicopter that got, you know, blown up. Well, that's not a mistake. That's an outright lie. Now, there are mistakes that happen, and, and I, you know, I just couldn't help but show this because this was a legitimate mistake. Some of you guys probably saw this. um, For those of you that just happened to watch Miss Universe, (laughs)
1: Miss Universe 2015 is... Columbia! Uh, There's... I have to apologize. The first runner-up is Columbia. Miss Universe 2015 is Philippines. That was like
0: a legitimate mistake, though, right? I mean, I mean, he wasn't trying to, like, do this. I mean, he just made a mistake. And, and yeah, some mistakes are big and bad and horrible, like that was. But he honestly made a mistake. But we saw it a few moments ago, somebody said, oh, I made a mistake. But that wasn't a mistake at all. You know, I I don't want you to actually raise your hand here, Um, but just for a moment, just internally, and if you're watching alone at home, then you can raise your hand, but but here we're not going to, Um, and I just want you to think, just, just mentally raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake before, if you've ever made a mistake before, like, okay, yeah, I would, you know, and if I asked that question, probably every hand would go up. Everybody would say, yeah, 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 I made a mistake. Even if you don't feel like you made a mistake, you'll still raise your hand because you think if other people around me, they don't see me raise my hand, they'll think that I'm just full of myself and that would be a mistake. So I'm not going to, everybody would raise their hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've made mistakes before. But if we change the question and say, how many sinners do we have in here? Man, it just kind of gets a little uncomfortable now. It gets a little awkward, like, I'm just not so, I'm not so uh, anxious to put my hand up now when we start calling it sin. In your notes, you can write this down. Sometimes we make our mistakes on purpose, don't we? You know, can, can it really be called a mistake if you do it on purpose? I mean, some people, they on for the past four years, I've been making this mistake. It's like, really, can you make a mistake for four years in a row? I mean, I mean, you're doing this mistake on purpose. You know, good, well, have you ever made a mistake on purpose? I don't think we can call it a mistake anymore, can we? If I intend to do this thing, if I intend to cheat on my taxes, if I intend to do whatever it is, and I say, oh, well, it's just a mistake. No, it's not a mistake anymore. The next thing is, is sometimes we plan out our mistakes don't we? We plan out our mistakes. We, we buy airplane tickets to go and, and fulfill our mistakes. We go and we buy things. We subscribe to things to fulfill our mistakes. We look at, you know, uh, things on the internet to fulfill our mistakes. We, we, we go, we plan these things out. Someone that, that, that's addicted to, to, to drugs or alcohol, man, they're planning it out. I got to go and I got to meet this guy. I got to get my stuff. I got to bring it back. I, I got I it all planned out how I'm going to make this mistake. Man, how, how do you plan out a mistake? And, and the last thing is that oftentimes we make our mistakes over and over and over and over again. If I say, Have you ever made a mistake over and over again? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I do. I have this problem i have this addiction i have this struggle i have this thing in my life and i just can't seem to stop i just keep doing it over and over it's just a mistake though it's just a mistake i just keep making this same mistake over and over what do you call someone that makes a mistake over and over again like a mistaker like a, or you're just a big mistake i mean i mean we, what happens when we do that over and over again see the word mistake doesn't quite cut it does it. And I think if we're honest, we realize the word mistake doesn't quite cut it. Because what do you do when you make a mistake? If you're a teacher or if you're a student and, and you made a mistake on a test, what do you do with that? You correct it, right? You fix it. Oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to correct it. Oh, my, um, you know, Siri told me to turn left, but I didn't listen to her and I turned right. So now I got to reroute. I got to turn around. I got to go back. I got to fix the mistake. That I had. We correct the mistakes. But the problem that we face is this: is that you can't correct you. You can't correct you. And, and I say, oh, I, I'm planning out this mistake. I'm doing the mistake on purpose. I'm doing it over and over again. But I, I just can't correct it because we can't correct ourselves. Or, or maybe there's something. There's a mistake that you were doing over and over and over again. And. and Maybe you get like a week without making that mistake, right? You get a week. I don't know what, the, what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's eating chocolate cake, or maybe it's, maybe it's shopping, or maybe it's looking at sites on the internet, or maybe it's, you know, uh, getting drunk or something. I don't know what what, you, what you're saying my mistake is, but you go for like seven days without doing that. You go for 10 days. I haven't looked at anything bad online. You go for, for 11 days, and you know what we start to tell ourselves? I owe myself one now, you know? I kind of deserve it. I've been doing really good. I, I, I think I can get away with making that mistake again. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like we start to justify, like, you know what? That mistake's not so bad. After all, I've been doing so good, I can go and buy another set of shoes, you know? Or, or I, I can go and, and, and eat that thing, or I can go and do this, or I can go and do that. And we start to, to, to justify this thing. It, it's not something that we can just fix, though. And that's why I say we need a stronger word than just mistake. In 1 John chapter 1, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. See, sin... Is something that 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 we that is when we're breaking God's law, we're breaking His His standard. And if we claim we don't have sin, we're only just only just fooling ourselves. Oh, it's just a mistake. I'm just fooling myself. I'm just fooling myself. But here's the problem with sin. You can write this down. Sin destroys relationships. Sin destroys relationships. And I'm not even just talking about between us and God. I'm not even just talking about that. Imagine you have a friend that, that you, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're best friends with. And some of you may have had this experience before, and your friend does something stupid. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe they steal something from you. Maybe they beat you up. I don't know. Your friend does something against you. They've sinned against you, and what does that do to your relationship? It destroys it. It breaks your relationship. And I think if any of us, if we have any broken relationships in our life, whether it's between friends or parents or spouses or siblings, if we have any relationships that are broken, we can track that back to sinning against somebody, doing something that breaks that relationship. And so sin, it destroys the relationship. And the problem is, though, like like if you're a parent and, and your kids do something, and and they you know they're disrespectful or they I don't know do whatever, and then what do they come and do after? They come and say, "Sorry, sorry." It's like wait, what do you mean, what do you mean sorry? You know sometimes sorry just doesn't cut it, does it? It just doesn't quite 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 get to the depth of of where we need to go here. There's a relationship that has been broken here. I trusted you, and you let me down. I, I, I believed in you, and you did something to hurt me. See, this is important to listen to, because if we fail to acknowledge that we are sinners, it's going to prevent us from restoring our relationship with God. Because, see, again, with, with the situation, with, with the kids, you're like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, no, no like, like, I don't know, it just doesn't even feel sincere. Like, what's going on? And then if we're, if we're lucky, we get the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? what? What did you say? I'm sorry. So can we get a little bit more I in there with the M? You know, I'm sorry. But we don't want to admit that we're wrong. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we're, we're a sinner. But failing to acknowledge that, is going to prevent us from restoring our relationship with God. See, sin destroys relationships. It's just like this, you know. It's destroyed. It's torn apart. There's no way we can put this back together again. And God wants to have a relationship with us. But when we've sinned, we've destroyed that relationship with God. And, and, and we can't move forward here. Listen to what it says in Romans 3.23. It says, everyone has sinned. Everyone. Everyone. Every one of you in here has sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. It says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glory standard. All of us. I fall short of God's standard. You fall short of God's standard. We all fall short of God's standard past week, in our Thrive Reading, we've been reading through Romans. we just read this verse. And man, it's like we read this and we're like, man, all of us have sinned. And sometimes, especially if, if we've been walking in faith for a while, we start to overlook those things. And we start to just, again, start to say, oh, it's a mistake, it's a mistake, it's a mistake. It's not really sin. It's just a mistake. Well, God forgives me, so it's just a mistake. He says, I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. Here's what a sinner is. A sinner is someone who knows better and does it anyway. Someone who knows better and does it anyway. Man, we know that we're doing something that's hurting God. We know that we're doing something that's hurting someone else. And then we fall into sin. We fall into this, this trap. But see, Jesus, when he came, he talked about sin a lot. And this is sometimes why people don't like to come to church because they're like, I don't want to hear about sin. I don't, it just makes me feel so bad. Some of you probably already are like, man, I just wish I slept in today, you know? Wish I finished the burritos for tonight. And, and you know, it's like we, we feel like, oh, man, I don't want to talk about sin. But listen to this. Jesus' purpose in talking about sin was restoration, not condemnation. Let that sink in for a second. When Jesus talked about sin, he wasn't trying to condemn anyone. He was trying to restore them. And some people, we've been to church and we've heard talks about sin and we leave feeling like, man, I am just worthless scum. I am just good for nothing. But that's not what Jesus did. He wasn't coming to point out sin to condemn us, to make us feel horrible. He was doing it so we could be restored. See, all of us are in the same situation. Each of us have sinned against God. Sin has destroyed our relationship with God. It's destroyed it. There's no way that we can put it back together. We can't correct ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. Sin has destroyed that that relationship and it separated us ultimately from God. So that's the problem. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And if, and if we don't listen to this and apply this, then we'll continue going on in our life thinking that we're just making mistakes. And we just use it to oh, I just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. Oh, sorry, I just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. Sorry, I punched you in the head. I made a mistake. You know, it's like, come on. Like, like, like we don't take responsibility. Saying, oh, I made a mistake. That's not, I'm not taking responsibility for it. It just happened. Honest mistake, you know. But we don't realize the severity of the situation. But see, here's the interesting thing. Like I said, Jesus came to bring restoration, not condemnation. So we would think that Jesus would lower the bar of sin, but he didn't. You know what Jesus did? Jesus actually raised the bar of what sin actually is. He he raised it to an all-new high. See, all these people, they thought they knew what sin is, and Jesus says, you don't even know half of it. Here in Matthew 5, verse 20, he says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. These are the professional good guys. These are the guys that obeyed the law their entire life. They, they lived it, they breathed it, they knew all the laws, they knew all the rules, and they obeyed them. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness is better than these guys, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's kind of depressing. We're like, Jesus, give us hope here. Man, you're just condemning us. You're just talking about our sin. How can we ever be as good as these guys? And you're saying we got to be better than them. It's like saying, oh, if you're better than Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, then maybe you got a chance. It's like, how can I be better than them? Verse 21, it says, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. And if, you're, mur- if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. Verse 22 says, But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Anyone been angry with somebody recently? Like, yeah, on the way here to church, some idiot cut me off on the road. Man, that person has no right living. Huh. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger. Oh, wait a minute. Man, that's two strikes again. He said, not just murder. If you're angry with somebody, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, have anyone ever called anyone an idiot before? Maybe you're sitting next to the person. I don't know. But um, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, that'll preach. Man, I feel good about myself. I don't know about you. Man, he's just saying, listen, you thought murder was the level? No, I'm saying anger is the level now. Everybody's like, whoa. Nobody gave us the memo on that. You can't just raise the bar of sin like that. He goes on in verse 27. He says, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. All the guys are like looking around, is my wife here? Like, I hope she's not hearing this right now. Like, what are you saying? I thought that was just happening in my mind and it doesn't matter. And Jesus said, no, 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 guess what? That is sin too. That's just as bad too. He goes on and says, says, it would be better if your eye causes you to sin to pluck it out. I actually got an eyeball right here. It's a cow eye. My wife had it in the car, and I was like, I'm going to bring this in. I'm going to work this into my sermon somehow. Smells horrible, let me tell you. Serious, it's a real cow eyeball. Anyhow, uh, if you don't believe me, come check it out. Um, He says, if, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Everybody must be like, wait a minute. Like, of course my eyes have caused me to sin. Like, what am I going to do now? So you know what everybody's looking around saying? We're doomed. We're doomed. How in the world are we ever going to get to heaven? We're never getting there. If the Pharisees can't even get there, if the religious leaders can't even get there, if, if Mother Teresa and Billy Graham can't even get there, man, we are doomed. And then Jesus says, I got great news for you guys. I got great news for you. Guess what, guys? I've come for the doomed people. I came for the doomed people. I love people that are doomed. In fact, I only came for the doomed people. If you're not doomed, take a hike. I didn't come here for the for the religious, for the people that think they got it all together. I came for those that realize we're doomed. We're doomed. There's no hope. Jesus says, yeah, 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 that's who I came for. But you have to acknowledge it because Jesus knows we're all doomed. And someone's like, I'm not doomed. He's doomed more than I'm doomed. It's like, how how do you get more doomed than someone else? So he's saying he comes for the the doomed people. He loves doomed people. Sinners. That's why he sent Jesus to this earth to begin with. That's why he sent him. But here's the thing: we're never going to know Jesus Christ until we first acknowledge something about ourselves. That's what Jesus saying. Jesus saying, "That's why I'm here. That's why I came. I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to make you feel bad about yourself." I came to restore you because your sin has separated you from God and now we need to bring restoration. But you're not going to get restored if you can't even acknowledge that you're a sinner. So it doesn't end with being condemned. But you can't just self-correct. You can't just say, oh, oh, I'm just going to fix this. You ever try to fix something like that? Man, we know how hard it is. Sometimes maybe you can fix something for a little bit, for a little while, but we can't really fix it. We can't fix the problem. Romans 6.23, we read this like two days ago. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. I don't know if you have a job or if you've ever had a job. What is a wage? A wage means I'm going to go and I'm going to work. I'm going to do a certain amount of tasks. And then you're going to give me a wage. You're going to pay me what I deserve for the job that I did. And that's a wage. And here it's saying, "You've all sinned, and guess what? You're going to get paid for it." We're like, "Woohoo! I'm getting a wage." <laughs> Bad news, though. The wage, the payment, is death. For the wage is sin is death. But he goes on and says, "But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord." See, Jesus didn't point out sin to condemn us. Remember. The woman caught in adultery. Some of you might know the story. And if not, I'll I'll recap it briefly. Jesus and a bunch of guys, they're going down the street. They bring out a woman that the Bible says was caught in the act of adultery. I'll let you figure out what that looked like. They bring her out. I don't know where the guy was. But they bring her out. They throw her in the street. And you know what their law said? Their law says, you must die. And we're going to do it to you. We're going to grab some stones. We're going to like throw these stones. We're going to kill you right now. And so here she is, everybody's in a gathering crowd, and they're looking at this lady, and she's been caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus looks around and says, hey, go ahead, stone her. But whoever has never sinned, whoever doesn't have sin." Cast the first stone. Now think about it. The, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, their whole claim to fame was the fact that I haven't sinned. I haven't broken God's law. I haven't done anything wrong. So if anybody should have been able to throw those stones, it would have been these guys. Jesus says, hey, you guys, go ahead. If you haven't ever sinned, you throw the first stone. And the Bible says one by one, they turned away. Until it was only left with Jesus and this woman there. And Jesus looks at her and says, Where'd all your accusers go? Where'd all the ones go that were condemning you? Listen to what it says here, John eight ten. 10. It says, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't even one of them say, I'm going to stay here and condemn this lady for what she did. Verse 11 says, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, her sin was exposed. It was exposed in front of everybody. Man, if he wanted to condemn her, he certainly could have. If anyone had the right to throw a stone at her, oh, it was Jesus because he he was the only one that ever lived a perfect life. But he's like, no, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to restore you in your relationship with God. Because acknowledging our sin is the first step towards restoration. We have to acknowledge our sin before we can ever be restored. And some folks they're going like, oh, "I just wish I was right with God. I wish my relationship was better with God. I just wish this." I'm like, "Well, like, what about these areas?" Like, "Well, no, 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 that's just a mistake. That's just a mistake. No, that's, that's, that's just a mistake." You know, but we we're... To fix mistakes, right? I mean, we'll watch the Super Bowl today, and there's probably mistakes that'll happen. And there's people that are talking in those guys' ears, you know that? And they're talking, and say, hey man, you made a mistake. Let's fix that mistake. If you can't fix that mistake, we're gonna pull you off the field and send somebody in that won't make that mistake again. We're not gonna continue making mistakes, but us, we're like, oh, oh, oh it's okay. It's just a mistake. I can keep doing it. John 3.16. This is like the greatest hits of the Bible, right? You know, if they were going to make an album, John 3.16 would be on it. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I just read that really quick because the verse I want to get to is actually the next one. For God did not send his Son into the world to do what? To condemn the world then why do we feel so much condemnation? How come when people go to church say, I don't want to go to church because I just feel like, I have people say, I don't want to go to church because I feel like if I go in there, God's going to strike me with lightning. I'm like, really? Like, I, have you ever seen that in the news before? Like, oh, you know, George walked into church today and got struck by lightning. Man, God must have been really ticked in. No, no, no. I mean, it's like, but we, we get this idea that, oh, if I'm going to go there, God's going to condemn me. He says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn world but to save it through him but to save it but see we have to admit just saying sorry sorry God I made another mistake (laughs) oopsie (laughs) sorry sorry I stole something sorry I cheated on my taxes sorry I looked at something on the internet sorry you know I, I went back and I you know fell into this sin again I'm sorry that I did this I'm sorry 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 whatever It just doesn't cut it. Because first we need to acknowledge the fact that I have sinned. I have sinned. The point where we come to God and say, Look, God, I've sinned. It wasn't a mistake. I meant to do it. And I sinned. See, there's no other way. See, all the religions of the world... They all admit that there's something wrong with the world and it's called sin. They all, they all admit that there's something broken here. And their solution is usually something like a punishment for that sin or, or doing penance for it or doing good works. And maybe someday your good works will be more than your bad works and then you'll get into heaven. And so they have these weird solutions for sin, but it's really not good enough. Because until we deal with the sin issue, we can't have a relationship with God. Jesus told a story about, about the prodigal son. Many of us know the story. Some of us might not. Basically, it was a story of a dad and he had some kids, and one of the kids came to him and says, Dad, you should be dead by now. Because when you die, you're gonna leave me your inheritance, and I want the inheritance, and you're just living way too long. So can we just pretend that you're dead and you give me your inheritance now? And so the dad's like, uh, okay. <laughs> little awkward conversation. The dad writes in the check, says, here, take it, go for it. The boy goes out there. He blows all the money on whatever, partying and whatever. He comes back. Eventually, he burns all the money. He's feeding pigs. He's down in his life. He just feels horrible. He realizes that what he did was wrong. He comes back to his father. And you know what he says to his father? He, says, he comes back and says, father, I've sinned. I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. Maybe you can just make me a servant or something. And you know what's interesting? If you read the, the biblical account of this story, the father doesn't even respond to the son. He doesn't say, I forgive you. He doesn't say, oh, welcome home, son. He doesn't say any of that. You know what he says? He turns to his servant and says, hey, go bring a robe, go bring some shoes, grab a ring, and go kill that fat cow because we're going to have a party. Because what did the dad know? The dad knew that relationship had been restored. You came to me. You confessed. You realized that what you did was wrong. See, as a parent, as a teacher, as a friend, if somebody comes, to you say, "Oh, I'm you know, oh, sorry for that." It's like, but but are you really? Because really, what my heart wants to know is if you really realize what you did to me. And when you say, "You know what? I realize what I did to you," first. Bringing restoration, and not just in a relationship with us and God, but with us and anybody coming and confessing that, saying, "I was wrong; it wasn't a mistake." That restored the relationship. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, "People who conceal their sins will not prosper." Man, just hiding our sins, hiding our sins—we're not going to prosper. But if they confess them and turn from him, they'll receive mercy. And if we confess our sins to God, we come up to God and say, you know what? What I did was wrong. I realized that. I did it on purpose. I planned to do it. I did it over and over and over again, knowing it was wrong, but I did it anyway. It wasn't a mistake. I did it on purpose. And I'm sorry. 1 John 1, continuing in, in verse 9, we start read verse 8 a few minutes ago. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. See, his purpose, his goal is not to bring us into condemnation. And, and, and I hope today that, that wherever you're at in your journey with faith, we realize this is not to condemn us, but to restore us into that relationship. He's, he's just saying, just come to me and admit it. Imagine for a moment being that woman caught in adultery. Imagine that. Imagine whatever sin, the worst sin that you've ever done, the worst thing that you've ever done, the thing that you've maybe tried to hide from everyone, is now broadcast in front of the whole world and you're thrown out in the street and you know the punishment for that is to be stoned to death. And you know that's what everybody's about to do. And you know for the last thousands of years, every time someone was caught in adultery, they were stoned to death. And you know your time has come. Imagine that weight, that feeling there. And then Jesus coming up and saying, I don't condemn you. I, I, I don't condemn you. I want to restore you into a relationship. See, people have this false idea that Christianity is all about about guilt and condemnation, making me feel bad for the things that I've done. It's it's not even about feeling bad for it. Like, honestly, listen to me for a moment. This might strike you as strange. Strikes me as strange, too. He's not even saying go and feel bad about it. He's just saying come and confess it. Come. And because sometimes, honestly, what happens is we've become so dead to it that we don't even feel anything anymore. I don't even feel bad for what I did anymore. But when we come and take that first step and say, God, I don't even feel bad for it. But I realize I did it on purpose. And I realize that I've sinned. And I'm sorry. That's the first step towards restoration. See, someone that makes mistakes doesn't really ask for forgiveness, do they? They say, am sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever. But someone who sinned, man, we need that forgiveness. And we know that we've done something that's far bigger than a mistake. We know that we've done something that has that weight to it. And it's time for us to face it and admit it. See, God wants restoration with you today. And and, and here's the thing, maybe some of you have never come to the point of even acknowledging your sin before God. And and I say, at this point, it's time for us to acknowledge. You know, I've lived a life just pleasing myself, and I acknowledge that I have sinned. But here's the deal, too. Some folks in here have been following God, have been going to church for a long, long time. And we're not acknowledging our sin either. We're walking around saying, oh, I just made a mistake. Oh, I just, oopsie, just a mistake. Oops, I did it again. Just a mistake. Just a mistake. But that sin has damaged your relationship with God. And it's time that we come and we acknowledge that before a holy God say, God, I realize that, that you didn't come to condemn me, but to restore me. Let's acknowledge that. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word, which, which brings us life and it brings us truth. And we thank you for Jesus, which you sent to this earth, not to condemn this earth, but to bring us restoration in our lives and in our souls. And we ask you for restoration in our lives now, no matter what we've done. Though our sins were bad and as red as scarlet, you say that you can wash them and make them whiter than snow. That you can set us free from the things that have held us back. But sometimes, God, we come to you and we're just too proud. And we say, God, I made a mistake again. But help us, Lord, now to acknowledge what we've done is sin and that has destroyed our relationship with you, regardless of how long we say we've even been following you, that we have something that's destroyed our relationship. And, Lord, we want that back. We acknowledge that to you. take a moment here and I just want you to just not out loud but just pray to God in your own words acknowledge that sin and and, and put the name behind it I I acknowledge the lust I acknowledge the addictions the pornography the, the alcohol abuse the drug abuse the affairs the lust for money the greed the anxiety the fear I acknowledge that I did it on purpose God, you're the one that brings restoration. And each person here, wherever they're at, Lord, bring restoration, restore them, revive them, renew them. Help us to walk with you. If you're here and you don't know, God, make this the day that you take that step of faith and say, I acknowledge I've sinned, and Jesus, you are my Lord. That's all you have to do, acknowledge it. That he is our Lord. Let's stand together. God wants to bring restoration to each of you wherever we are. Let's sing this and let's celebrate the restoration that God brings. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.